Good morning. Goodbye Forever, Volume 2 by Nat Chang Chapter 31, Part 1. Presence of Guru Rinpoche. A timeless interim. Dujan Rinpoche laughed. Oh yeah. Then quietly. Then with naked Kandros swimming. Then seriously. Maybe like Drupa Kunle becoming. This was a jest. At least I thought it was a jest. I suddenly had second thoughts because no one was laughing. I flickered hot and cold. This was the first time I had been admonished by Dudjan Rimshe. The sensation hit me like a sledgehammer. I must have looked vaguely stunned because Dudjan Rimshe looked at me with concern. Aro Yeshe's speech emanation of Drukpa Kunli. Many emanations of Drukpa Kunli. Chogyam Trumpa mind emanation of Drukpa Kunli. This why both Chugyam name Havan. Maybe both with naked Kandros swimming. Then everyone laughed. Then I realised that I was not being admonished for what had occurred at Sami Ling and accompanying the three young ladies for a naked dip in the River Esk. Dujam Rimshe inquired as to how it came about, but with a most benignly amused expression. And so I explained that skinny dipping was fairly normal in the hippie milieu of the early 1970s. Oh yeah, many Kandros always, but you must only one Sangyum finding, this important. Then Dujan Rimshe laughed. Like Drukpa Kunli, not possible in your country manifestly. I explained that although many strange things had happened to me in terms of young ladies, it was not something that I deliberately sought. I really did only want one partner. I was not really the wild libidinous type and did not want my life to be that of a Mion Haruka. My choice, if it were mine to make, would be for a fairly level sort of life. I saw my future as being a contentedly married Nakpa with a wife who was a dedicated Nyingma practitioner. Oh yeah, Dujan Rimshe laughed. This I am very well knowing. It still caught me by surprise when Dujan Rimshe jested with me. It is not as if it was a rare occurrence, but it always took me by surprise. I'd explained to Dujan Rimshe that I was not entirely pleased with the way I'd lived my life. The fact that I simply fell into one bizarre situation after another. My explanation was prompted by what I had thought to have been an admonition. Like Drukpa Kunli, not possible in your country manifesting. But Dujan Rimshe clearly had no concerns on those grounds. Life of Chugyam, body, speech, mind, nature of Chugyam, Dujan Rimshe smiled, I am too well knowing. Seeing only one wife wanting, only one Sangyum wishing. Aro Yeshe, two Sangyums having, but sisters. This system in Tibet finding, sisters marrying, in Tibet possible, 
brothers also, but this system in your country not possible, so not necessary like Aro Yeshe manifesting in body. Maybe like Aro Yeshe in speech and mind becoming. Maybe also speech of Drukpa Kundi manifesting from Aro Yeshe. I told Dujim Rinpoche that I would be far more than content with one Sangyum, and it was more a problem of ever finding such a person. Oh, yeah, he laughed. No difficulty. You Sangyum finding, for you no problem. Maybe soon, maybe five years, maybe nine years, but not more years passing. This I am clearly seeing. Chugyam not worrying necessary. Maybe it would be better if I found a Tibetan lady. No, Kyabje Dujam Rimshe shook his head. Maybe good for Tibetan learning. Maybe good for simple and devotion to Guru Rinpoche, but not good for Terma or Western people Vajrayana teaching. Kyabde Dujam Rinpoche explained in some detail that to marry a Tibetan lady would have an effect on my style of presentation. It would mean that I would find informality more difficult and it was essential that I was able to be informal with my students. It was also important that I was free to explore the arts in a Western context and to develop Vajrayana appearances according to my own aesthetics. A Tibetan lady would want to recreate Tibet in the West and it would be better if I were not influenced in that way. This surprised me because I thought that a Tibetan wife would be ideal, especially in terms of keeping me on track with what was appropriate. Dujum Rinpoche shook his head at that idea and said that he trusted my sense of what was appropriate and that he did not think I would inappropriately westernise anything. He told me that Chugyam Trumpa Rinpoche had a similar aesthetic and there was no reason why I should not evolve something similar. I would, however, need to be independent of a Tibetan wife's possible influence in that respect. Vajrayana must in new soil of Inji lands growing. Some same Nyingma rain watering, so no obstacle. We then conversed in a delightful manner about my time at Sami Ling on the various occasions I was there. Dujam Rinpoche was most pleased to hear of my meeting with the 16th Gyalwa Kamapa and told me that they had indeed spoken about me together. In fact, the 16th Gyalua Karmapa had known he might meet me in Britain. This suddenly brought everything into focus. It seemed as if I would have had meetings with him under any circumstances. Apparently, my almost having been excluded from the empowerments had played little part in it. I did wonder, however, why, if Gyalua Karmapa had known I was there, he had not simply required my presence. Maybe Akong Rinpoche had not informed him that I was there. And then, of course, why should he wish to see me the moment I arrived? Maybe he wanted to see what people would make of me. Maybe there was no reason at all.
I would probably never know. There were often questions that simply could not be asked, according to my own sense of propriety, politesse and appropriate cultural etiquette. I can't say that I ever studied Tibetan etiquette, but somehow I learned the rules, or imagined I'd learned the rules. Dujum Rinpoche was intrigued by the nature of an art school and what was possible in such an institution. He wanted to know about etching and mezzotint printing in great detail, and so I did my best to convey the intricacies of the art as well as I could. My discourse was punctuated with an occasional yatsen from Dujan Rinpoche. I spoke for what seemed a little too long, but Dujan Rinpoche was clearly fascinated by the whole subject of fine art printmaking. After a long and wonderful series of teachings and conversations, I found myself circumambulating the great Churton. It had become a custom with me to perform Cora three times before and after my appointments with Dujan Rinpoche. It would have seemed inappropriate to have merely walked there and back from my lodgings. Dujan Rinpoche seemed to know where I was on the Cora, and one of his attendants would always be there to meet me at the door with a degree of precision that was almost magical. My visits to Dujan Rinpoche took a certain form shortly after our initial reunion. He would launch almost immediately into a teaching, during which I worked away feverishly writing down every word. Once the teaching section was completed, however, our time together would become delightfully conversational. The topic was usually something to do with my life and how I'd lived it since I left, in, since I left Nepal in 1971. He inquired concerning Claudette Gascoigne and what had happened since our parting. I explained that she had not answered my letters and obviously had no wish to have any further contact with me. Dujan Rinpoche shook his head. Life for her, he sighed, not happy coming. I asked whether it was my responsibility that Claudette's life was not happy and he shook his head again. Nothing Chugyam doing. All own circumstances making. This I am seeing. Father Tranne having, then dying. Then alone living. Friends not having, because she too angry always speaking. Dujan Rimshe was more interested to know about Claudette's three friends with whom I'd lived for almost three years. Penelope Chumley, Rebecca Albemarle and Meryl Stanhope. The fact that they were all romantically drawn to me, but that I had somehow failed to be aware of it, struck him as intriguing in a positive sense. Dujan Rimshe thought it highly auspicious that I could have such good friendships with ladies. He said this was a good sign in terms of my finding the right sangum. He found the antagonism of Todd Welcome and Veranda Nugent of no great concern or interest and said that he knew people like this in Tibet. 
people who were overly concerned with status. My account of Jack Hackman hiding under the table at the Nostril Cafe to avoid his ex-wife caused him great mirth. It caused him such hilarity that he retold the story to several other llamas, who also found it hilarious. Suddenly, Jack Hackman, jumping Jack Flashman, was a person of notoriety in Bowdoin. The next day, Dudjum Rinpoche returned to the subject of Jack. Kema, he sighed, all good now with under-table hiding one. He won wife and son soon, but in later years, maybe from accident dying, possible. Then all gone from precious Betse Yame. Then now Chugyam only remaining. Too sad. Then the translator said, Rinpoche is so sorry. He's such sadness for you saying. A brief moment of silence passed after which Dudjum Rinpoche said, I see two friends happy rebirth finding. Maybe music again finding. Maybe meeting again possible. There followed a long pause in which Kyabje Dujum Rinpoche stared into space. But nothing certain. Many different circumstances coming. Life always in Western countries unstable. Families in different places living and never seeing. Everything changing. Too quickly changing. Somehow, Dujum Rinpoche expressing such sympathy caused a great wave of sorrow to arise in me, and I barely stopped myself bursting into tears. Then we sat in silence for some moments, and the wave of sadness crashed on the shores of an empty land. There was suddenly nothing left of sadness. There was memory that sparkled, impressions of savage cabbage, impressions of Ron Larkin and Steve Bruce at their peak, and Jack Hackman grinning behind his welter of symbols. Then the images vanished, leaving only the brilliance of the room and the greater brilliance of Dudjum Rinpoche, who suddenly gave voice to a series of comments. Dudjum Rinpoche told me that he did not know what form the accident might take for Jack. It had only been a fleeting premonition. The accident might or might not occur. I asked what could be done to save him from this possible accident, or make it more unlikely that the accident would occur. He answered that I would probably never meet Jack again. I would not be able to find him without paying an investigator. He advised against this. There was nothing that I could do. Jack's life was entirely unlike mine. My life was almost uncharted, according to Dudjum Rinpoche, and I could therefore go in many different directions depending upon the people I met on my travels. He had seen this quite clearly in terms of the way in which I had lived my life up until that point. The only factor that was fixed was Vajrayana, 
and my relationship with him. There would be other powerful relationships with lamas in the future, and one in particular. This was not, however, the time to speak of that. Dujumrimshe had previously asked me about the Savage Cabbage Blues Band, and I had explained as much as he wished to know. He had asked what the name Savage Cabbage meant, which had led me into having to explain surrealism as a Western art form. This was not a simple matter because I realised that I had no clear explanation which could be translated into Tibetan. My best attempt was to explain surrealism as an art form that exposed the nature of illusion. I described one of the paintings of René Magritte, La Domaine d'Anne. René Magritte, René Magritte tries to show a new way of seeing reality. In one painting, there is an eagle-shaped mountain seen through a stone opening in a wall. There are two eggs on the stone sill. The idea for this came to René Magritte when he woke up and saw a bird in a cage. He then fell asleep again and dreamt that the bird had been replaced by a large egg that filled the cage. Another version of this painting shows the same eagle-headed mountain with a glazed window where the glass is broken and lies in shards on the windowsill. Fragments of the image of the mountain are still on the shards of glass, as if what was seen through the window had permeated the glass. Dujum Rinpoche listened patiently whilst I explained these paintings, and at the end he asked a few questions to clarify the intention of the artist. He concluded that Western secular art was a religious investigation, and one he respected. He told me that it was good that I investigated works such as this. So, with the name Betseyame, this is linking two ideas that normally have no connection with each other. Although there is the connection of the word sounds, savage and cabbage, which makes it seem as if the words belong together. Yatsen, he laughed. Western arts like Yeshe Tadzu Chutro's becoming. 